right, welcome in to another edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, bud? I'm great, man. Two and zero for the podcast last week. Can't do much better than that, eh? It feels a lot better. Like this, uh, the energy I feel like is going to be better on this show than the zero and two show. That was a that was a bad that was a bad feeling coming in. We both lost our best bet. I was like, ugh. But now I'm we're, we're positive. Everything's positive right now, guys. So uh, yeah, Wyoming, boy, that number we gave out. I gave out two and a half because that was or two because that was the number at at the time we were recording on Sunday night for a Monday game. And by the time I got up, no, not by, I guess by the time I got to the office, it was four and a half. I said, oh boy. And then it got up to five and then it got pushed back down to three and a half. But the good thing is no matter what number you got it at, Wyoming covered. They uh, that was not really in doubt, and then you had an outright winner with an underdog with Providence. So uh, I would I would say that's that's a good thing, my friend. Yeah, you know, uh, happy about it. Good for good old PC. Uh, started off pretty shaky, but um, ultimately seeing them. Uh, Ken Palm projected plus four, close I think two and a half, uh, but they uh, got all the way to the finish line. I'll tell you what, one of the games that I was looking at, and I, I ended up uh, choosing another one, but w- w- one of the games I was looking at when we looked for our best bet was I kind of like Rhode Island ag- against, or, or excuse me, uh, yeah, Rhode Island against Providence. They play, I want to say Saturday. Yep, yep. Um, but I, I think Rhode Island's got some good matchup uh, things going with, against that team, and they'll, they'll probably be getting four or five points. That may be something to look at. It's a big rivalry in the smallest state. Uh, happy to say that's where I grew up. Still have 401 area code. But, uh, you know, PC, I think it goes back and forth, the rivalry. And URI has got some really, really tough twin towers inside. And I don't really know uh, if PC is going to be able to score in, on the inside. And, and when you force them to make jump shots, they did it against Texas Tech. But uh, I don't know if that's really the game that Ed Cooley wants to play. Well, let's get into the the games that everybody's going to be watching this week. And we'll start with Iowa and Purdue, two teams that we looked at uh, this last week. And Iowa survived against uh, Virginia. And, you know, Virginia kind of got their game against Iowa. It was was the real first taste of Iowa uh, against someone who had a pulse. And they won the game, did not cover. So for our purposes, they failed. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I didn't have any. I didn't have any skin in the game. But I, I would say that Iowa showed some vulnerability. Whereas we talked about Florida State and maybe their athleticism maybe could could sh- slow down Purdue. No, <laughs> Purdue Purdue is a juggernaut, friends. This is a. This is a wrecking ball right now, and unless you are the the tip of the top, I don't know that you're hanging with this team. And we're projecting Iowa plus nine at Purdue. The only team that's played that's played Purdue within nine all year is Villanova, and that was on a neutral, not in Mackey, where this game is. And you know, it just felt like Iowa they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds to Virginia. And now you're facing basically the re- the best rebounding team in the country, at least in the Big Ten. Certainly, they they lead the Big Ten in offensive rebounding, defensive rebound, rebound margin. Uh, it, size is certainly a problem for this team. I mean, it, it's 
it's almost impossible to have the size that they have. And Iowa's going to be undersized in the Big Ten all season long, but this is where it's going to be the most glaring with, you know, Caleb, Caleb First and, and Trevion Williams, both nearly seven foot, Zach Eady, seven four, like three hundo, and they can play. Like they're not just big stiffs. And I think the other the other thing that I took away from the Iowa game was, and most most nights you would say, oh, they they gave up seventy four points, they won seventy five seventy four, and you would think, oh, it's a, a, a decent defensive showing until you consider they were playing Virginia, and seventy four points is the most Virginia scored all year, and now they've got to face the most efficient offense in the country and a team that's even stronger than than Iowa on the defensive end, so. I, it, this feels like a like a smash spot for Purdue to me. The last four games in Mackey for Iowa, they're zero and four with an average of average margin of twenty four per game. And this this is look, it's starting to look like it's the best team that Painters had. I, I think they just kind of blow the doors off Iowa here. What do you think? Well, uh, I'm glad that you eventually passed the mic over. Um, I, I understand waxing poetic or whatever that, that phrase is. Uh, Purdue's great. Um, honestly, I was planning to watch Florida State, Purdue, and uh, was planning really to kind of clue in maybe late first half, second, early second half, and it was too much of a blowout. I stayed on what the other games I was watching. Um, I I don't really have a lot more to say. I mean, Purdue, I, I think they showed some signs last year of maybe outperforming what was expected of them uh, in Big Ten conference play and then have really only kept doing that and then some. Uh, I thought that maybe their backcourt, and, and that would be a lot weaker than it's shown so far. We knew with the the big guys inside that they were going to be really strong there. But uh, ultimately, <laughs> at Mackey, really, really scary to, to go against them there. And then... When you talk about Iowa, um, I did watch that game against Virginia. Uh, Bohannon was incredible, un- borderline unconscious if he wasn't like the leading three-point shooter in all of NCAA basketball D- Division One, I, I think. But it helps when you play there for the same school for six years or whatever he's he's done. Um, I mean, I, I, I liked what I saw from Iowa, that they took a bunch of punches because uh, they had a big lead, surrendered it, and then kind of came back to win. Um, against a Virginia team that really hasn't been performing so far this season. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt because they're playing a, an inferior Virginia, not, not the same Virginia we're used to that won the national championship a few years ago. Um, but yeah, even getting nine points. I mean, you're, I think you're hoping if you're backing Iowa that they shoot really well. Uh, I just have no idea how they, how they stop Purdue inside, even if they do shoot well. So I think we kind of, we kind of see the same thing here. This is not really a great matchup for Iowa, and I, I no matter what, like even if you don't want to bet Purdue, I wouldn't get in the way of them right now. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put money on on the counter against Purdue right now. It just seems like a, a bad choice. I, I don't think we're we're uh, going to be selling Purdue high anytime soon. Okay, let's take a look at Kansas and St. John's in a neutral, semi neutral. It's in New York City. And I was like, I was tempted to like St. John's here. They feel like they play up or down to the competition. And, and I'm, I'll like for full disclosure, I'm one and one betting on on Johns this year. I I had them against Indiana. They covered almost one outright. And then their next game against Fairleigh Dickinson, I was like, oh man, the way they pushed this tempo, they're going to just blow the doors off a bad defensive team. And they really struggled against them. And then they they struggled against St. Francis and in JIT, they had to go to overtime to beat. And I'm like, wait a minute. So now maybe the question to me is, 
is the Indiana game the rogue data point? Like, is that the game that was like, oh, well, that, that was a they played well in one game versus now we've had three in a row where they looked like shit against, you know, bad teams, like not not kind of good teams, not teams that are on their like that are their peers. These are bad teams that are hanging with them. I, like, you know, you know, Mike Anderson's going to press because that's what he does. And I, I I went back to when he was at Mizzou and said, oh, how, how'd he do against Bill Self then? Uh, Bill Self 9-1 and one against Mizzou when, when, when Anderson was in Columbia. So given that the Jayhawks are only turning the ball over 10 times a game, they seem like they're kind of built to handle that pressure. And I, I certainly don't want to, I don't want to back St. John's right now, the way they're looking. What do you think? Yeah. You know, it's hard to really want to go against Kansas. I mean, definitely some demerits for losing to Dayton who uh, started this, the season off sleepwalking, I guess is the only way we can describe it. Uh, Pretty surprised about that one though. Kind of looked like an act of God ball bounced as high as I've probably ever seen a game winning shot that went in off the rim and somehow settled in Dayton crowd went nuts. It was a really, really big environment too. Go ahead. Does the win like the, the Belmont win after that, does that kind of maybe seem like it's not as bad of a loss for Kansas, like Dayton beating, like winning the whole tournament? Uh, you know, I feel like we're in a time of the year. Um, and I feel like this happens with, with college kids where there's just some, sometimes there are losses that are really inexplicable. I do think that for futures sakes and, and bracket sakes, it's a good idea to pay attention to who some of these really, really good teams lose to, because I feel like there are just some games that you shouldn't be in a position to lose. I think Dayton's got, a, like I said, they travel really well to the like tournaments before the season, really or before conference play, and, and that maybe had something to do with it. Plus, maybe looking past them after. I mean, I can't. You wouldn't blame Kansas for doing that after seeing what Dayton had lost to early in the season. Um, I just, it's one of those things though where I think that's a, a cause for concern maybe in the future. But I, I feel like it's almost with the really good teams. Like sometimes things just happen, and, and you end up taking a loss that you shouldn't. Um, I, I guess it doesn't seem as bad because Dayton won the next, but um, ultimately I, I think from where I sit, there was a pretty good bounce back effort against Iona winning by double, double digits. I mean, they were expected to, but that's kind of the problem I think for where Kansas sit sits is that um, they're not really going to be just winning. Isn't enough for them. And that that's hard to do those sort of things and go through a schedule. Um, I think they'll they'll have Big 12 play coming up pretty soon. Like you mentioned, they're actually playing Missouri again for the first time in a long time. Um, but that's not really a huge. So I, I think there's some questions about Kansas's motivation so far. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Self is trying some new things. I mean, in a in a covid year or transfer free year where anyone has moved around and everybody has moved around. Um, I think there's going to be some kind of shock results that happen. And that's just one of those that I think we can kind of uh, look past. Well, do you think they can cover eight here against the Johnnies? Uh, you know, I'm not interested in back in St. John's. Uh, I do think that Remy Martin can be uh, tricked into playing a little bit faster than uh, probably he should. But I, I feel like Bill Self has been working on him about that, this whole uh, game prep. And, and I think uh, KU are, are a really good team that I don't really want to mess with. Uh, and, and they are a team that even I think this is on Long Island where the islanders play if i if yeah I yep then that new arena yes yeah, so, yep so like i mean maybe there's going to be a decent st john contingent there but I, I wouldn't 
you know, there's probably enough KU people in, in New York City, believe it or not. Um, surprisingly, they leave Kansas. But um, I, I think it's one of those where I, I'm not looking to get in the way of, of KU, especially uh, coming off a loss pretty recently. I feel like Bill Self has got into them pretty good. Let's go to the Pac-12 for the next game. And I believe this one is a Saturday game. USC minus three at Washington State. And both these teams played last night. And it it felt like, I mean, they both handled their business. USC beat Utah by 20. They really kind of controlled the game start to finish. Washington State's was a little bit different. So I, I, I'm going to tell you about the first. Did you watch that game, the Washington State-Arizona State game? I, I did not. Okay, I, I'm going to give you the, the Cliffs notes. Washington State missed 15 straight shots in the first half. <laughs> I, they, I saw the score. They went scoreless for 11 minutes and 24 seconds in the first half. Scored zero points in that time frame. They shot twenty under 25% in the first half and scored 18 points. You think, oh my God, what a disaster. Yeah, they had an eight-point lead at halftime. It was 18 <laughs> to 10 at halftime. Arizona State scored 10 in the first half, 29 in the whole game. They made 12 shots from the field and two free throws. Like this was a bad offensive game from Washington State, and they had a dominant twenty-two point win on the road. Like this, and maybe that's how they win some games. And certainly, you can maybe you can get away with it against the Arizona State team that's that's missing their best player, is not very good on defense. It feels like USC is kind of like you know, infield won't play you unless you prioritize defense. Like if you if you don't work hard on D, you don't play. Like they're down for a rock fight game. So what happens when Washington State's you know poverty offense has to go against a good defense? It feels like I, I like if the total is one in the one thirties, like Ken Palm projects, I'll be on the under certainly. But I think that the size of USC takes over here. I feel like USC's got some real matchup advantages, and I just think they're a lot better offensively than than Washington State is. What are you seeing? So t- remind me what you're projecting. Uh, minus three, USC on the road. Yeah, I- I'm thinking that climbs even higher than that. Um, I'm pretty surprised about where this number is projected. Um, I got to say, I feel like this is one of those late-in-the-season type of USC – in a back-to-back in Washington, like Sunday night or something like that, I have to go in into a, like a, a really sleepy situation. It's a little weird. With I think the Pac-12 are playing twenty conference games this year, so you got to find other ways to play games even before conference schedule or before the new year. Um, but I, I got to say, I, I think Washington State and and Kyle Smith was basically hired as as one of those kind of. Uh, forward thinking top of the line analytics guys who clearly has brought a defense um, to, to the, the Palouse. And and I got to say that I think Wazoo are going to make things difficult for USC, but I think what you're talking about with USC's defense and their size, I mean, I I think I talked about them earlier as, as one of my futures. Um, They're so tall and I just really don't know how Washington state can, can score efficiently. USC has a dynamic enough of an offense that, uh, I mean, I'm not really in a in a in a stage of my life where I'm laying points on the road. Uh, but I got to say, anything less than a, a possession here, it's it's hard for me to to have any interest in Washington State because you really need them to win that game. 
And I just, I don't see that happening. I, I think this is a good sign for potentially backing Washington state in future podcasts, I got to say, because if they're going to be rated like this, I just don't feel like the market believes in them to this level, but I think it's early. And, and I think Washington state really needs to prove a lot more offensively before we can just back their defense against one of the quality teams that made a deep run in, in March last season. I mean, maybe it just means that, that Arizona, Arizona state's that awful and that that's entirely possible too. I, I wouldn't go all the way there because I do think the Washington State defense has been showing some good signs as of even late last season. Uh, and, and even this year, I backed uh, UC Santa Barbara, one of the top teams in the Big West, I think, who will probably be playing in March, if not in the big dance, maybe in the NIT from winning the conference or, or whatever. Uh, and that was it ended up an eight point game. But I got to say it was a blowout and it became really close to covering at the end. Uh, for whatever reason, but I think the Washington state defense is for real. And I think we'll see how real it is. Uh, I guess on Saturday night. Well, let's take a look at Gonzaga and Alabama also on a neutral, although it's in Seattle. I don't know how neutral that is. Uh, we're going to project Gonzaga minus nine here. You're probably gonna have to pay some sort of a tax. You may end up getting to 10 uh, just because it's Gonzaga. They got kind of drug into a a slog against Tarleton, and that I mean that could have been, yeah, that could have been. I mean Tarleton, they're listen, they're looking to play as slow as possible. Good for them. They they made it. Uh, they made it a game really. That you could also say, well, Gonzaga was coming down off the Duke game, maybe a good spot for a letdown. I don't think you know, at a neutral site game against a, a really good Alabama team that you're going to see them, you know, let off the gas. And after playing like the slowest non-Gonzaga game that they could have played, now they get a team that is like, okay, let's run. And I feel like Gonzaga is going to be looking to stretch their legs and run. They get more layups and dunks at the, like than anybody. It, all, these backdoor cuts – Will I and they do it all day now. Like their two point percentage is sixty six point six 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 six. Like pretty they, good. They, pretty good. Two out of three shots from inside the arc go in, which is wild to think about. And it's almost all, you know, bunnies and layups and dunks. Like it's it's free points. And you know, Alabama is is going to they're going to try to take away the three point arc. That's what they do. I don't think there's anyone on Alabama who can slow down Timmy or or, or really any of the Holmgren. I, I don't think that they've got anything down low that can really slow down what Gonzaga does. I think they back backdoor cut those guys to death. If we see a total around the the Ken Palm line, which is 161, I'm going to like the over in that game. I could see Gonzaga getting up to 90 ish if at the tempo because they'll be willing to play Alabama's tempo, and Alabama's going to want to run. I don't know if I want, I'm not looking to probably give double digits, uh, you know, because I do I do like Alabama. It just feels like it, if they play, if they say, okay, Gonzaga, you play our game, that's not going to end well for Alabama. Yeah, so Alabama is a little bit difficult to me. I mean, Nate Oates is is one of the the big math teachers of I think was a high school math teacher, so he's all about like you said, deny the three-point shot, but take only threes and layups, pretty, pretty much the Houston Rockets, which you might be familiar with from a few years back. Um, but f- from what I see with, with where Alabama is, I feel like they're nowhere near a finished product yet, though I I kind of have to admit I had higher expe- expectations for them coming into the season. I mean, 
maybe a weird tournament where you lose a game to Iona that was pretty close back and forth. But I feel like in I've been kind of following along with how their games have been going, and they've not been as impressive as I expected, especially with how they they ran through the SEC last season um, and, and then had a, a decent run in the tournament as well. I feel like uh, you, I think you're onto something with um, the style of play and, and the pace. I think 161 is, is probably pretty high for me at a neutral. Um, I think the, the, what used to be the key bank where they're playing in Seattle, I think should have a decent amount of, I mean, Spokane's pretty far from Seattle, I think in the great state of Washington, but ultimately I imagine that there's a, a pretty decent settlement of Gonzaga sure. alum and, and that alums in that area. Um, but in terms of like what I would need to back Alabama, like my question goes all the way back to Chris Beard earlier this season, not double teaming Drew Timmy, I think is you so afraid of the three point shooting if they collapsed. And I imagine that Alabama with Nate Oates will probably be in a similar type of situation, which I mean, I don't really know how you defend Gonzaga. And I think we both talked about it earlier this season that we don't expect them to be as good as they were last year. Um, but if, if people are going to single cover Drew Timmy, I, I don't really know how you can keep compete with a Gonzaga, Gonzaga offense. And Alabama's really going to have to shoot their lights out in order to really, I think, even hang in this game. Uh, so I'm looking far away from trying to back Alabama in this type of situation. So you think it could get ugly as well then? I mean... It, the way it doesn't to me is Alabama shoots well and can play a uh, high pressure defense, but I just, I really don't know. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can sign myself to not fade Gonzaga this season, because I feel like the numbers are going to be huge and that's not really new for, for Gonzaga. But I, I think, as we said, we're a little bit down on them coming into the year. I, j- I just don't know how you stop their offense and in, in games that get ugly, they get ugly really fast when you play a team like Gonzaga. All right, let's get into the best bets portion of the podcast. I'm actually going to look and see, like I've got a projected line, but we're you know pulling back the curtain. It's a uh, 6.30 Vegas time, 8.30 where you're at. So we may have official lines for tomorrow's games, which my best bet is tomorrow. So let, let's get into yours, a Saturday game, and uh, I'll, I'll see if we can get a, a fair line for the game tomorrow. Sure, sure. Uh, while you're doing that. Um, so I'm looking at... Southern Methodist, I'm actually uh, recording this podcast live from just a few minutes away from their campus, but not a, not really a fan, so that's not going into this. But I see SMU as a two-point favorite at home to Vanderbilt, um, and, and that kind of that line gives me a little bit of a question uh, and makes me wonder where this number will close. Uh, but I'll give you SMU all the way up to minus four. I think that they're um, – kind of got off to a slower start than anticipated or they wanted. Uh, I backed them at Oregon, uh, which doesn't look like a very good loss considering how poorly Oregon has been playing, but it was one of those nights where Oregon made all their shots. And I feel like that's um, something that happens and it's just something you got to deal with. Uh, SMU has certainly struggled a little bit with a, a neutral court loss in overtime in Mizzou. That's not a great showing. And then Loyola Marymount is pretty decent, I think, but still not a, a loss that I was expecting. Uh, but they bounced back from from those two losses with playing a little bit better. And I think this is those kind of the, the poor performance so far has, has given us some value to go against a variable team that has been one of the worst in the SEC for years. Uh, I'm not trying to lean on that as much, but watching them and actually losing a bet against them on Winthrop at home uh, a few weeks ago, I, I just when I look at Vandy, I feel like uh, there are a lot about Scottie Pippen Jr., 
um, who is a good player in, in his own right, but I feel like isn't enough to really carry a team against, against a decent SMU club who I think um, are, are, are in need of, of a good performance, and I think they'll get one at home. I think, I mean, you've, you've actually talked about this on the, on the pod, uh, playing first halves. Like SMU is the, is the reason why people are looking to play first halves of games because they're just like, they're, get, they're getting out to these big leads and then they're just falling asleep. Yeah, you know, I'm actually thinking more about first halves for underdogs because uh, with fouling late, that can really kind of skew the the final score. I'm actually watching Oral Roberts right now, who I took first half, who didn't I'm show on, up for the first ten minutes. Go ahead. I'm on Oral Roberts tonight too. Yeah, I mean they're they're hanging around, and and my, I'm hoping that they covered the game just for anyone that doesn't bet first half. Will I take full games when I throw them out there? But um, you know, it's just one of those things where I think with favorites, you you really want to get as many. Uh, opportunities to cover the spread and you might be paying a little bit more uh, for a full game line, but you do go to get those fouls at the end. And if you project the way you're expecting uh, that, that's a, a much better points per possession thing than you'll get the rest of the game. Okay. So I've got actually, we've got a fair line and it's actually a consensus line. So everywhere you look Great. Uh, for my best bet. So, Oh, your best bet. What we're saying SMU down to four. So SMU gonna... minus two, all the way down to minus four. Um, I, I was surprised to see this line so low. And so maybe I, I wanted to give, and I actually asked you before the pod, because I wasn't sure if that, that, not, that line's kind of stunk to you, but yeah, I, I don't think it goes past four. So I, I think you're probably good saying cool. four because cool. Ken Palm makes it too. I think four is a very safe, the line to draw great uh my game is gonna be tomorrow night and it is charleston plus eight at Furman, and we've seen charleston go from 250 to 213 in ken palm since the season started and obviously i think a lot of the ken palm projections we're looking at last year's team which you can't really compare to this season's squad pat kelsey who if you're a college basketball nerd you know that Pat Kelsey was at Winthrop, the team that you know was twenty three and one going into the tournament, and and kind of gave Villanova a, a push uh, in the tournament last year. That coach goes to Charleston. Suddenly, Charleston goes from like the two hundred sixtieth tempo team to number one in the country, and that's a tough. It's tough for teams to adjust if you if you haven't seen a team play at the pace. That, that Pat Kelsey pushes his teams at, it's not easy to adjust to. Their only two losses this year have been to North Carolina and Oklahoma State. And the North Carolina State or North Carolina game was actually a, a fairly close game. The Oklahoma was, State yeah. final the Oklahoma State final score was OSU by 30. But that doesn't really tell the whole story because it, it, this was well, this would have been a great first half bet for you. They had, Charleston had a lead with two minutes to go in the first half, but then the depth kind of just started to grind on them. And, and you know, listen, the Oklahoma State's got a lot more talent than a team like Charleston does. Furman is good. They're not as good as they were last year. They were kind of a darling last year. They lose Noah Gurley to Alabama, who we were just talking about. Yep. Uh, that, that probably has a lot to do with why they, they're not as good inside as they were last year. I think we're getting a discount on Charleston because their uniforms don't say Winthrop. And it's not that I'm not trying to say this is the same squad because it's not that they Charleston doesn't have the inside scoring presence that Winthrop did last year, but they do have better outside shooters. And again, this tempo is just really tough 
for teams to adjust to, especially teams that don't have superior talent. And so North Carolina, Oklahoma State, those teams, they can eventually adjust. I think a team with you know slightly better or equal talent, it's going to take some time. So I like Charleston getting eight points at Furman. Yeah, uh, just looking at, at Charleston, I think it's really hard to argue with what Pat Kelsey did uh, at Winthrop. And I actually was going to bring up Gurley's absence, and I feel like uh, Furman, they've always been a really good team for the past like handful of years, but have never really been able to click. And I think closing games is a problem for them. Uh, saw that happen early this year in an overtime loss at Belmont. Um, I, I just feel like that that kind of issue that they've had for a long time hasn't been solved and, and getting eight points, uh, even if there's a little funny business at the end with fouling, uh, it's going to really test them to close out a game against, against a, a quality coach for sure. So that'll do it. There are our best bets. SMU uh, plus two or no minus two all the way to minus four on Saturday. And then Friday night, Charleston plus eight at Furman. So hopefully we can keep the best bet train rolling. You, I'm up to two and three. Uh, you are at three and two now. So the pod as a whole is at 500. I, I, I'm feeling it, man. I feel like the run is beginning. That 2-0 and last week really got me feeling good. So I'm excited for this weekend. Should be a good weekend to hoops. Uh, Griffin, appreciate it, man. Been fun. Mackenzie, Brad, thank you guys. Thanks to everyone out there listening. And we will have another episode Sunday night, uh, which I, th- I think actually we've been getting those episodes out Sunday night. So they're they're sitting there waiting for you Monday morning, folks. That's what it's all about, making you happy. So we will talk to you guys then. <laughs>